Welcome back to the Basement with the Homies Clubbers. You are now tuned in to get another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, and we have a really great podcast for you. It is so great to be back. Uh, took a little hiatus if you uh, are new to us and um, and just sort of realigned some stuff, rejiggered everything, and, uh, and I think we've come out uh, a lot better, a lot healthier, a lot saner, a lot stronger. Um, so we're doing things a little different now. We put them out on Friday. Uh, trying to do a lot more interviews and um, trying to change how we talk about albums in 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 many ways. You know, we used to run like four people panels. Uh, I'm a big fan of like sitting down with somebody in this case, uh, Eduardo, and, and talking about uh, just finding out what one person thinks about an album and how our competing views like do that. That some call that criticism, um, but I think it's it's a little more active than that. Is you know. Uh, what we're trying to do is show you stuff that you should listen to, certainly. But it's also um, it's also to sort of illuminate not just our process, but I think how um, I would hope all of you listening to this sort of uh, take your music, how you ingest it, how you process it, how you, and, and what it means to you. There is no right answer to any of this, but um, we keep doing it regardless. Um, at any rate, really great show. Uh, we're going to be talking about Israel Nash's new album, Lifted, uh, which for my money is one of the best, if not the best album of, of 2018. Uh, it is, we've been a fan of his for a while. Uh, and something crazy about this album is that I've always considered uh, Israel to be somebody sort of it's a smaller artist. And, and I don't say that pejoratively. It's just he's not, he's not big. Uh, he, he isn't like getting like the the Pitchfork premieres, the uh, the NPR premieres even, and then all of a sudden he's in Rolling Stone with this shit, so I don't know what what corner he turned, I like to think that it's probably the magic of Dripping Springs, Texas, where he is based out in the hill country, but um, but it, the album's remarkable, you can hear me and Eduardo take, talk about that, and after that I had a chance to sit down with somebody, we've been trying to put this together forever, uh, Joaquin Cooter. Uh, that is uh, Ry Cooter's son, but he is he is a man unto himself, and uh, he put out a great little EP called Fusion Machu Picchu uh, earlier this year, which I highly suggest you picking up. Um, it's um, the best way to describe it. It's sort of like electronic folk, uh, which if you're listening to this, I know you guys like that shit. So, uh, but it's it, but it's great. It's zen. It's peaceful. It is. It's everything you want, and it's a it's a a really just a great sign of what's to come from him and. And when I saw them perform at the Birchmere, and read that right up on the site, um, <clears throat> I saw him perform at the Birchmere um, opening for his dad, and it was just, uh, all in all, it was just a magical evening, dudes. It, I, I wish there were, it was sold out, but I wish you guys could have been there, because it was a high point for me. Uh, I love his dad's work. Now I love his work. Now I love Joaquin's work. And now I've talked to Joaquin, and so we're going to talk about that from his home out there in California. Um, and that's it. That's it. We're, we're working on some new segments. We're going to be working those in over the next uh, few episodes. Also, some new theme music. That's something, in fact, me and uh, me and Drew, Andrew Wright, actually sat down last night and talked about 
um, how, how we're going to make that happen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be groovy, kids. It's going to be groovy. But speaking of groovy, it's time to head on down to the basement to meet my friend Eduardo, where we're talking about Israel Nash's fantastic fucking album, Lifted. And this is the show. Wet drums, that big sound. I lo- yeah, I love that. Yeah, this is yeah. the show. Yeah, it's it a is. it's a fucking show. Um, seems appropriate that we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are, are we here? Are we, are we here to talk about the dead or Israel Nash? Yeah. Uh, what do you want to do? I feel like we should start. We with can do like, an audible. We, can we should. We should. <laughs> yeah. Right. What show Sorry. of the Grateful Dead do you want to do? I can dial up Casey right now. We can start his podcast right fucking now. <laughs> it's gonna be amazing. Um. I guess we're talking about Israel Nash, right? We are. We are. We're back. We're, we're we, talking about, you're back. Yeah, I, I'm back. You, you, I've been you've doing been this back. a little bit. You are back in the basement. Post-flood number two. I know. The return. Yeah. Son, son of flood. Is it actually, no, it's actually the third flood. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. So, yeah. So we had the one that didn't get that bad, and then the last one that got bad like two weeks after that. So it looks lovely. It's yeah. It's, I mean, it's uh, it's a carpeted. it's a bright it's a brighter carpet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have been graced by the presence of uh, Aaron Ray. She was just sitting here, right? right where you were sitting. I and, always uh, I always can, in the in the cool can you feel the spots. vibes? I, I can. I'm picking up on it's it. It's good. It's good. Phil's still down here though somewhere. His 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 aura <laughs> not, will not never actual Phil. Phil. His, his aura will never leave. <laughs> no, his aura is never leave. <laughs> I, I should point out that um, it is World IPA Day, and uh, and so we haven't. We literally like you and I haven't been down here in in quite a while, probably like a month and a half. I feel like we should start with like what we did over the summer. And it's I, like a, and we're back from school. I certainly <laughs> haven't drank this many beers in this long. <laughs> so yeah, give me a little loose. Uh, no, what we did over the summer. Uh, 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 you listen. You know what? I didn't listen to music. No, take that back. I listened to this. Yeah, I, I listened I, to I, a lot of this. I listened to this because uh, right before break. We got a copy of Lifted from Israel Nash, and uh, I am a big fan of Israel Nash. I met him once at the uh, DC9 show. He played. It remains one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, he is he is uh, the dude incarnate. And um, honestly, I didn't know he was coming out with an album. I I just I assumed he would eventually, but I but I didn't know. Uh, to give you a little background, this is a guy. He was uh, he was born in Missouri, but he is uh, he moved to New York City, be- become a singer songwriter, put mm-hmm. out a couple albums there actually. Uh, New York Town, go figure. Barn doors and concrete floors. You can feel <laughs> the urban jungle uh, theme or the urban cowboy theme. Um, but then in 2011, uh, after Barn Doors and Concrete Floors, uh, he moved uh, out to the hill country in Texas, Dripping Springs, to be exact. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, but I will say. Uh, you know, despite anything you read in the press, this seems to be uh, a thing they touch on about Dripping Springs. The Hill Country is a magical place. Mm-hmm. It does feed this music. I know you don't quite get it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you there, man. I'm not, um, I'm not fighting it. I just, uh, you're not fighting it. I but, think there's some lazy characterizations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there, there are some very lazy characterizations of people who haven't been there. I, I will say it is it is not, not only one of my favorite places on the planet. It is one of the most powerful places on the planet. If you need to go find yourself or just find something, uh, you can go and be there. Uh, and, and to give you just a hint, Luchenbach, 
is square in the middle of hill country. Right. So so there is that. But at any rate, I uh, didn't know that Lifted was coming out. Then all of a sudden it's like here in front of us. Uh, and, um, and so we're going to start off with a little track. This is the first single from this. And uh, get you acquainted if you aren't with Mr. Israel Nash. And then we're going to come back and talk about it. This is Rolling Hard. from Israel Nash off Lifted. You all are now in the motherfucking van uh, with us. Uh, this is, uh, uh, you know, it's weird that Andre isn't here, but it's only because he's off in his own van somewhere. He has his own Quonset hut somewhere. <laughs> he has his own Quonset hut somewhere. Um, a little more about Israel here. So when he moved to Dripping Springs, uh, he built a studio called Plum, Sound, uh, Plum Creek Sound. Uh, and he built it out of Quonset huts, which is sort of uh, the best way to describe it is is when you see like a Roswell thing, like Area Fifty One. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's it's metal huts, but it's like very yeah. inviting. And uh, I and uh, haven't been out there yet, but I hope to get out there before the year is over uh, to see what's going on. Um, you you may have been listening to that right now and just been like, "Shit, Neil Young is going to sue that motherfucker." And <laughs> and you're probably right. Uh, we said this last time we reviewed an album of his, uh, but he is he he very well could. This is he, he's not necessarily leaning on any type of new sound, no, new hotness, new thing. But what he's doing, I think, is just crafting damn good songs. And what might not be evident the first time you listen to this album is is that it is in fact a uh, a complete uh, statement. And escape from our current political climate. Uh, there's a line in there, rolling on. Uh, he says, "I looked into the distance, and in case you missed it, a thousand lights just faded out at once." Yeah. Uh, you know, he's he's gone on record for this as saying that he uh, wrote this record because he saw from this magical place in the hill country uh, how this country was getting torn apart politically. Uh, in like in the campaign, Donald Trump. He doesn't ever talk about him specifically, but that's what he's talking about. And and um, and so lifted becomes in that sense an album about how to deal with that. And 
the uh, short version of this review, because we are going to get into it, is that this is the escape you need. Yes. Yeah, and I th- and it's interesting that you're that you're framing it that way because um, from the first time you played me this album down here, uh, you know, you just feel like uh, kind of immersed in the kind of wonderful textures and and, and sounds of the record, and and uh, and I joked with you that the album feels like it's like an album length bong hit exhale, <laughs> like it's just that feeling of like lying back, but it's that, but it's for like fifty plus minutes. Um, when uh, uh, last night I I um, uh, pulled up the YouTube's and uh, was sitting there with my wife and thought, let me um let me see what Israel Nash actually looks like performing because I did I had no idea what what he sort of <laughs> what he seemed like right just yeah. just just from hearing the music and it's it's so yeah. it's just so wonderfully produced and so warm and uh, and so we found uh, this this clip of him playing three songs off of this record uh, for like a Dutch. Uh, uh, I don't know, a Dutch channel or something. And, um, and so it's him solo acoustic and, and, and my wife immediately was like, wow, this is really sad. Like she, she heard like a sadness in there that I hadn't, mm-hmm. I hadn't heard or seen or felt really. Um, but I think the way you framed it just now is, is exactly right. Like it's sort of like, uh, it, it starts from a place of sadness, but it's very much about how to, you know, how to, how to, how to lift yourself up out of it or how to lift others out of it. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you talk about like the, the, you know, we talk about the art that people expected to be made during these times as a response mm-hmm. to this and like v- highly political art, I never would have thought that Israel Nash would be political, but uh, I, this is a, uh, for me, at least an expressly uh, political album because it, it, it just, it's cosmic protest music, and it, and it, and it's it, definitely cosmic. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> cosmic. But it, but but it is. We don't. There's no right way to protest an injustice in the world. Never mind. Let's 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 take a step back from where we're at now, mm-hmm. from like Black Lives Matter, from you know, from from fucking you know whatever. No collusion. No collusion. Also, you're the puppet. <laughs> I'm the puppet. <laughs> Someone's the puppet. God damn. He's not the puppet. Um but you know you there there's no right way to do this. So so the answer to that uh that unposed question is is then what are people actually feeling and are they brave enough to put what they feel down on record and just put it out there and say exactly what they mean. These songs uh all I think you'll see there are 12 songs in this album and they are all uh, addressing uh sort of how to be in my mind to be to be sane in all this and it used to be like in just the natural world and like a hippie thing and you can easily like process it like that but it is it it, it it's a direct especially like texas outside of austin and hills yeah. it's like a weird weird place um it's a direct um response and and honestly almost a little guidebook to how to how to survive in an age of tyranny well well the the release notes really um emphasize that the you know the 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 narrative that of of him sort of feeling like he he has has finally sort of found a space in which to Mm -hmm. be contemplative and um and it's really interesting to me that um that it has that the album has this very earthy 
uh, grounded, uh, you know, it's so, so like words like psychedelic get used to describe his, his production style. And I don't, I don't necessarily view it as that. I view it as just sort of like ornate, um, and, 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 Phil and yeah, and deliberate. There's, a, lo- there's a lot of or, Phil Spector. There's a yeah. lot of like, like there's more sort of like Beach Boys harmonies going on mm-hmm. than there's as much of that as there is of the, of the Neil Young thing. But, but there is this really interesting way in which if, if that's true, if, you know, if he, if he, you know, was able to finally sort of retreat into this studio, this space that he's created, and really just find a way to like live and breathe and think and write, um, then God bless, man, because <laughs> this is this yeah. is exactly the kind of thing that you need to like you need to negotiate peace with the world in order to be able to like retreat from it so that you can do this and bring this back into the world. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with that. And I think that's his whole point. I, I wanna I wanna play uh one of my favorite songs on this when we talk about it, uh and talk about why it's one of my favorite songs. But uh, you know, just mentioned Phil Spector and and ELO. If um you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know that one of my favorite movies of all time is Gremlins. And Gremlins starts with one of the greatest songs of all time, Christmas Baby, Please, Please Come Home yeah. uh, by Darlene Love. And um, look, that is, whether you know, I, I actually had to look up the name of the song and the artist and all the thing, but Phil Spector produced it, whether it is ingrained in the American psyche at the very least. And so... There's the crumbs he's dropping here on this have to do with that. And again, back into the theme of how to survive. Christmas is a time of like redemption if you're a Christian. Well, at least if you're American. I don't think you need to be like, I think Christmas is like a weird, like non denominational holiday at this point. But uh, he hits it and he did it out in the Texas countryside. And it's fucking amazing. It's a sweet springs. So that's Sweet Springs, which uh, you'd be forgiven for wondering if like that was actually off of a compilation of Phil Spector's like unreleased. Yeah. Uh, and and that was actually I'm looking at my notes here, and other than all the cannabis leaves that I drew all over my <laughs> notebook, just kidding, I didn't really. Uh, but but for Sweet yes, Springs, the first the first uh, the first comment is just Phil Spector exclamation point. Um, it's 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 a really lovely um way that he dresses these these songs up um and i was i was saying to you kevin that um 
I, I you know I think I think there's been all this this uh, this press around him that says oh well this is the sort of this sound is born of uh, of hill country and it, and it may in fact be but 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 I hear you know in the song structures I hear something that could be like an Amy Mann and and John Bryan kind of uh, production I hear Elephant Six in there yeah yeah um, there's a ton of that Athens kind of uh, thing going on. Um, but 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 more importantly, um, it's all in the service of um, of how he delivers these songs, and and you know that 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 just pained you know cry of who needs my love, um, which is something that I think we're all, we're, yeah. we've all wondered. Well, you know, I have actually uh, different take on that song, and and sort of the, to, uh, to your we'll, we'll get to the take on that song at first. The, the lyric in there. Um, I need some warm affection in the shade of a live oak tree, and that that is that is warmth, right? That is what you yeah. that, that's what you're talking about. But then the next line: Now that we're out of a long western drought, let us drink from these sweet dripping springs. Um, he has found sanctuary in in a place, uh, like I said up front, one of the few places I think in America that you maybe still can find sanctuary. When you go out, uh, for all you people listening to this, if you've gone to South by Southwest, you've, you've been to Austin, you love the barbecue, but you don't go to Lockhart because you're basic ass bitches, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, but um, but when when you go out uh, into the hill country, into like Pedernales Falls, which is sort of close to where this is, uh, and and you see the expanse of of what the uh, American country has to offer it is unlike anything me as an east coaster has seen i think you're from mm-hmm. brazil it's unlike anything you've seen brazil is mainly verdant um we got we have so we have some dry uh, some dry but but i haven't i haven't been there so, <laughs> so yeah, i don't know so, what it's like so 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 my point is is that it is it is very much um a a magical like open space where anything can happen because there may be somebody aiming to kill you over the next bluff, but there also may be somebody uh, aiming to love you over the next bluff. And that that is in, in, in concert with the big sky of Texas, which is just a phenomenon you have to see to believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that is something that I truly believe that is there. I, I went there uh, for the first time not long after having open heart surgery, thinking I was going to die. And, uh, and it was... Uh, it was an experience. Uh, me and the lady had been there, and then we um we went back after, and it was just it it it, it was vibrant in a way that I can't describe. And so, I think when writers are saying that he is pulling from that, I don't. I I would question whether or not they truly understand that. The reality is he is pulling from that. This is this is a. Uh, What's the uh, ley lines, you know, mm-hmm. type thing? You know, he's right, right. He's he's as the crow flies, like literally, just like a stone throw from Willie Nelson's ranch. I don't think that's a mistake in the universal. Sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, that that's in seems, the universal story. That seems I, I don't apt. think that's a mistake. <laughs> There's a certain symmetry there. That's, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But but yeah. So he's but then to pull it, then to put all that that I just got out of that into something that is so recognizable as as American. Uh, pop, yeah, is it, it, he? He, I think, is one of our most underrated songwriters. 
song crafters, I would say. The lyrics are short for these. Yeah, I, I'll I'll say I'm still I'm still um, I think I need more time with this to really let the lyrics kind of sink in and, and mm-hmm. fully hit me. There's there there are moments on this that where, where the lyrics really I think speak directly to me, but but it still feels. Um, uh, I think I'm still hung up on the sounds that I haven't yeah. like I haven't gotten through the way just the the album feels. So I just put it on and like I have a physical reaction to it, which is just to like my like resting heart rate probably goes down a good seven beats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, my blood pressure goes down. I yeah. just, um, and, uh, and what does that in 2018? Yeah, I know. No, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a feat. It's, it's a fucking it, feat. It, it is a feat. <laughs> like, you know, to his songwriting chops, man. It's like, so, you know, we, we've said Phil Spector, um, you get Neil Young in there, obviously the birds, beach boys, fucking mm-hmm. Jeff Lynn. He's got all this stuff. And, and I think, uh, it's important when you say that you pay attention to the Sonics first, because honestly on all his other albums, that's what I've paid attention to. Like I, I understand he's singing about stuff and I'll dig into it and I'll get a little meaning of it. But you know, I, I am, I think like you more of a, a music guy. Yeah. Um, in this vein of music, when when it's just like somebody in an acoustic guitar, you you have to pay attention to what they're saying. Which is what I liked about that Dutch Channel show is that yeah. is that is that is that it actually like put his vocals and 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 the way in which you know the vocals sound effortless on the record, but when you see him perform it, you realize that there's like a lot of there's a tension there that 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 doesn't come through on the album because the album is so just warm and gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's so he's. But he, he he's mining like this understated history of pop music to, yeah. to that, and he's and he's created a wonderful landscape. And it's not, and I say that not just because there are like pastoral touches, or but yeah. the, like there's such depth to this sound. And I think that's and 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 that's still what I'm what I'm reacting. You know, like and and we've had this album for months now, mm-hmm. and I'm still not over that (laughs) you know like i still haven't gotten past just the feeling that i that the the thing i experienced when i put it on well he he had he had some help like his his main band is uh joseph mcclellan eric swanson aaron mcclellan and uh joss fleischman uh but he also had uh jesse chandler who's done some stuff for uh, mercury rev and midlake uh did stuff uh oh right the horns Um, yeah grupo phantasma who they you know oh i read about these guys if you look up look them up they're now known as, uh, at least in Wikipedia, Austin's uh, Cumbia Funk Compadres. They were part of Prince's band. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Prince, Prince, okay, the group of Phantasma, and they were like, yeah, well, let's do that. Uh, Kelsey Wilson and Sadie Wolf on that, and then, uh, and then Ted Young, who's produced the Rolling Stones and Kurt Vile, came in. Mm. So okay. even, I mean, think about that production, like that co-produced credit. Like you've got somebody yeah. who is like. I don't prefer Kurt Vile's music, but you know, somebody who's operating, he's clearly at the top of the heap, if you will. Mm-hmm. And somebody's working with them and the Rolling Stones. And right. the Israel is getting in. Now, part of that is because something we haven't talked about is because back in, uh, and maybe still back in 20, 20- he has always been bigger in Europe. He is huge in Europe. People, yeah, yeah, people, people joke about like bigger in Japan, but this motherfucker is actually bigger in Japan, Le- legit. Then, then he, <laughs> yeah. he has an entire career over there. He's like, there, the the tour dates now are sparse, but if you live in Europe, you can see him like every week, like somewhere nearby. Um, it, it, 
it took a year for Rain Plains, which was the first album I heard from him, mm-hmm. to come out uh, in the U.S. And and Silver Season, like I literally got, and honestly, this one I got from a British PR person. Wow. Like that's so, that's that's so, wild. So yeah, so so he does have very good representation here. Yeah. Um but uh but he is so big over there that that's his career. And and so you think about that that artists are trying to make it and they're like touring the US or touring everywhere. And here's a guy that's isolated himself in the middle of fucking nowhere, Texas, and is just like, Yeah, I'm gonna go over to Europe. And emerges to play Dusseldorf or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's wild. Um, I want to hit on one more song. What what were you feeling here? So I love um I love the beginning. Actually, I love all of Spirit Falls. Yeah, I especially love the beginning because I swear to God, he's channeling Phil Collins on the first vocal okay. that he. That we're, he we're we're gonna play but, this, yeah. and then I'm gonna come back because I, I I have yet to 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 parse that. Okay, but uh, here's Spirit Falls. I keep seeing these reflections. I'm gonna stop that right there. That is yes. not Phil Collins. It, it, it is, that Phil is Collins. not Phil Collins. It you is, guys, you guys are gonna have to listen to Spirit Falls that, on your own. <laughs> that is not fucking Phil Collins. What do you? I mean, look, we are going to do a No Jacket Required podcast. Fabulous. Right? Yeah, it's gonna be amazing. And I think if you listen to anything off New Jacket Required and then listen to that, you're gonna be like, that's not. That's not Phil the, Collins. The the <laughs> delivery of the vocal is is. I, I and and if we ever have a chance to talk to Mr. Nash, I will pointedly ask this question. Whether he was channeling Phil Collins when he when he sang that Why? that opening line, because I I'm that's just that's just what I hear. <laughs> that's just what I hear, Kevin. Does it does it does it sweeten the album for you? Um, it made me wonder if I was obsessed with Phil's after Phil Spector. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, but, true. No, no, no. It it it. Well, it it's you know there's a there's a there's like a groove to the uh, yeah. to that song that um. There's you know, no elsewhere, groove to any Phil Collins. Well, like well like elsewhere on. <laughs> um what's the uh not looking glass the song after that um i can't read my own handwriting lucky ones yeah lucky ones has a has a very like um comfortable mid-tempo rock vibe that's sort of like petty-ish uh well, let's check out a little bit of that. yeah
so that, that, I mean, that's petty. It was not like that. We will have to listen to this side. Okay. Okay. We'll put a poll up in the tweets. Alright. Uh, there is a, you know, uh, back to the sort of winding this up. The line in there, there's a couple of lines that get to the heart of the way I can see is the chorus is taking me and finally seeing we're all part of the line. Rather be extended. Like the sun. You know, it, just in those two verses, uh, it's about surviving by like just being part of And maybe standing up for what's right. If you're, if you're, you know, a stone in the sea, you're, you're, you're braving the crashing waves, right? Well, well, and. In the album, you know, oak trees show up on a couple of songs. Um, yeah. There's a so so I you know I read that as hill country, right? And there's and there's a question of rootedness too, of, connect, of being connected to the yep. land and to the soil, yep. which is really the thing that makes you know like regardless of whether you believe in some entity in the sky who can intervene and control things, there is a very real uh, biochemical process wherein our energy, uh, yeah. once it is extinguished. Uh, gets fed back into the earth and becomes something else, right? And so there's, yeah. there is there is a biochemical process that you could call God. This is if you reality, to. <laughs> right? And 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 the album artwork actually conveys that really well, right? Because it's sort of like half kind of like uh, uh, sort of um, shrubs and like and like roots and yeah. and dirt, and then uh, and half of it's sky. And uh, and the idea is that you don't get into you know you don't you have to have uh, you have to you have to be connected to one to be able to get to the other. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the point. Is um, I'll go on record as saying this is my favorite record of uh, twenty eighteen. Um, I don't think it's the most complicated. I don't think it's the most sophisticated. Uh, it's going to get a lot of play. It right? does. I mean, it does yeah. daily. It does when when I um after the twenty sixteen election. And sorry, listeners. Like, if did something keep, happen in 2016? No, if we keep bringing it back to this, <laughs> yeah, listeners, we've been gone for a little while. So if you're just tuning in, we're in Washington D.C. and and a lot of us, um, not in this room, but a lot of people we know, fought really hard to prevent what's happening now from happening. We're fighting to to like keep us safe, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is like personal, and 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 we need the uh, we need the uh, respite, but. Respite. I don't know if you say that. I say respite. Respite. Yeah. Okay. Respite. Yeah. Um. But uh, much like I listen to Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On" uh, every day for about six months after the election, I found myself since we have this listening to this once a day and finding some new path to like peace in myself uh, that enables me to. Turn on the news and be like, "What the fuck?" and then not not freak out. Yeah. Um. And in that, which is which is a huge accomplishment for music in 2018. It is, so like, and I and I don't think that that's what he in, intended. I maybe yeah. maybe he yeah. did. No, I don't. I don't think it's an overtly political. I, I think it's a personal album about yeah. about uh, finding your space and finding yeah. your your rhythm and um. 
and and it resonates with us maybe differently. But I mean, than, that's what you have to yeah. do, right? Right, 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 right. That's, right. that's, that's exactly, exactly that's, that's, the, de- that's the definition of adulthood, kids. <laughs> <laughs> find your space, find your rhythm, uh, find your way through, find your way to avoid the fucking craziness. Turn off CNN, turn off MSNBC, Fox News, like turn off, delete your Twitter. Like whatever you have to do, except for the Gremlins Two Film Institute. Except Twitter. for that, yeah, I can never, I can never delete Twitter now. <laughs> this is fucked up. I, I did a purge of our Twitter followers. Sorry, Twitter followers, but uh, y- you know, the, it's it's about unplugging. And even as we stream this, well, I have the vinyl upstairs, and 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 I think now more than ever, uh, y- you should be able to hold this album up as a thing. Like I'm unplugging because of this. Mm-hmm. You get at least almost an hour. Yep. Where you don't have to do shit, but that's ex- enjoy yourself. That's exactly right. And that is why it's my favorite album 2018 so far. So, here, here. So, we good? We're great, man. Want to drink more <laughs> beers later? Yeah. All right. It's IPA day. <laughs> Israel Nash's Lifted is available everywhere you can buy fine records. Uh, I got the vinyl. I did not think this album could get any better, but uh, Man Alive on vinyl, it is, it is it is just sweet, sweet sonic goodness. Um, he's coming to D.C. here in about a month. We'll keep you up to date on that, but he's going to be around. Uh, I saw his last time here at D.C. 9. It remains one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, and He's just uh, he's, he's a force of light. In a time when we need it, so uh, so so look out for that. Uh, right now, I gave you a little intro about Joaquin Cooter. Um, you know the thing, his EP Fusa Machu Picchu. Um, you know we talk about and we talk about in this interview about this. Um, we talk about uh, music and and often in a time and in a, in a way that it has to like meet certain expectations and stuff. But one thing I've been, I've been sort of exploring and, and landing on stuff is like, what, what if it doesn't, what if just the fact that, that these sounds exist and vibrate at a frequency that, that are pleasing to you, they don't have to be pleasing to everybody, but they, but they're pleasing to you and they change your day. They change your existence in some way, change the simulation, if you will. Um, if that's, if that's what it's for. And 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 that is uh, and that's why we're all here because we can all do it. We can all make music, but um, but we very often don't, and we rely on other people to do it. And it, so, but I guess my point is, it's not just entertainment. Uh, it, it is life. It is the literal vibration of life. I think what what Keem doing is a, it's a fantastic addition to that vibration. He's, he's vibrating over in his corner, um, just by himself doing doing weird to some, but not. You know, if you like music, not to me, uh, but but great, great stuff. And so uh, that's what we're going to talk about. So um, we're going to head to the internets right now and uh, going to check in with Joaquin Cooter talking about his new album, Fuchsia Machu Picchu, and pretty much everything else. Airport 
jobs. That you you just never see those like supermodels like pushing people in wheelchairs. I was gonna say we went to uh, Iceland uh, a couple years ago, and it, it was that exact experience. Like people on the plane, it was like, "What are you? What are you doing on this plane?" And then you get off, and it's just uh, a weird, like magical, seemingly non-existent place. Yeah, uh, at least it was for us. But it was cool. Was that the first time you'd been over there? It's the first time I've been over there. I have cousins in Sweden, um, okay. but I've never, I've never been. Yeah, uh, it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it, I mean, yeah, and everybody's outdoorsy. Everybody's on mountain bikes, and yeah. we couldn't find any restaurants open. And I think it's because everybody's just enjoying themselves, and nobody needs to work in any right. restaurants. Right. They're just like, I made this salad from shit we got from our garden, and let's just go and do a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't need to work. Yeah, that's that's kind of amazing. Um, it is amazing. I uh, not going to happen in America, sadly. No. Yet, yet we'll see. We'll see. Um, I caught your set and your gig uh, at the Birchmere here in Washington D.C. Oh wow, that's where you're. And, that's where you're located. Yeah, yeah, we're in oh, Washington okay. D.C. And actually, we we're trying to hook up then, but uh, because it was like, I guess the first gig got canceled. And um, so this was just sort of like really just busting ass down to D.C. And then you guys had another tour date. So it didn't work out then. Oh, um, right, right, right. Exactly. It was it was uh, and I had, I had I was familiar with uh, your album, Fusion Machu Picchu, uh, but I had a lot of questions about it going into it. Um, and uh, that show, in a weird way, like answered all my questions about how this sort of happened. So I want to talk a little bit about that. I mean, you obviously um you know you come from a, a musical lineage yeah um and uh it would seem that uh, your your choice of instruments percussion at the least but but really the uh, the umbira uh almost i mean was that like a form of rebellion <laughs> well i mean the i'll start with the drums it it yeah. was just what spoke to me the most i i got so oh, cool as, as a little boy when i was probably it was, I think it was 1982. So I was probably like four. Mm-hmm. I got, I, you know, I became obsessed with Jim Keltner, who's, oh yeah, um, you know, the drummer that has used to always play with my dad. And I, they were working, I think they were rehearsing or practicing at our house and he would leave, he left a kit set up overnight. And so I would go down when they would, when he would leave, I would go play his drums. Yeah, and, that'll do it. Yeah. And it was just, you know, watching, I think it was the eighties. So he had a lot of, there was like Simmons electronic stuff and mm-hmm. little lights and so much metal hardware. And yeah, yeah, it was just, you could climb into his drums and just kind of trip <laughs> out in there. And so, <laughs> so when you were, when you were coming up though, you know, you, you obviously played a lot on, um, you have been collaborating with your dad a lot since so about like, what 1993 um yeah but i guess so yeah were you playing like in in like bands before that where you're just doing like the kid thing or hey i got this killer rock band let's go out and fuck some shit up or or were you just sort of immersed in in what was going on just sort of around your scene i always had my own bands Uh um even when i was i think in fourth grade we were called endangered species. Nice, which is pretty fresh. Um, <laughs> it's, it's 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 not as good as the band I was in called Morning Wood. 
And that, that was, wait, was a horrible band. Wait, you, you mean like not, not that band? No, this oh. was, this was a this is a bad band in Roanoke, Virginia. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because no, we no. we opened this a band I was in once opened for a band called Morningwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They came, but they came a little. They had a little bit more success. <laughs> okay, different band. That's yeah. so funny. Um. So so you're doing you're doing these bands and stuff, and then you um. What about? in 2012 were you like i need to because i mean by that point you've done you've been a part of buena vista social club you've been a part of like all these great albums uh and you know you're really step seemingly stepped into the shoes of people like jim keltner um in in supporting bands not just your father but other people what about love on a real train you said i need to get out there and start like putting my own stuff out um well, it was sort of, it was, I, I, uh, I make a lot of just instrumental music. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially at that point, my wife and I were living in Echo Park and we had this house way up on a hill and it was just so LA. I had this amazing view yeah, <clears throat> and this little tiny studio. Um, it was, it was just like a part of a basement and mm-hmm. just would go down there and just make this ambient music basically every day. Um, And at a certain point I looked at it all and then thought, well, maybe I should at the, cause at the time I wasn't, I had never imagined of writing my own stuff or singing Mm -hmm. or any of that. So at that time I just started sending it around to people I know and people I like and some people I didn't know at the time, but I just thought, wonder what they would do. Right. right. And, and not put in any input and just have them send it back. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. I wouldn't even tell them what song to choose. I would always, I would give them like five choices. Just like, here's some sounds, do what you want with it. Yeah. And sometimes they would send it back fully finished or sometimes I would go into the studio with them and it depends on where they were. Right, right, right. So, the, yeah, that was just like a little funny idea that wasn't, still wasn't really like my, until I started doing this new thing, the, which was, yeah. which is so definitive, like my sound. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't, I wasn't even really searching for it. I just, I just thought I'll just do this love on a real train thing and, and maybe not think too much about it. Because it was impossible, yeah. I couldn't tour it. I couldn't take it on the road because right. it had all these people involved. So it, was, it just kind right. of right, right. Yeah, it wasn't so just put it out. Which is yeah. I mean, look, that I, that's honestly a lot of people have wondered like whether that's the model for music. And uh, a lot of times, um, for like like super indie musicians, I'm like, hey man, why don't you just make the thing and then right. not worry not worry about its impact and just sort of like it made you happy to make it, right? So go ahead and make yeah. it, keep making it. And you never know where anything is going to lead you. All you do right. know is that if you do nothing, then you will be led nowhere. Like you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you can't go anywhere yeah. if you do nothing. Yeah, yeah, that, that's so. that's one thousand percent right. I'm, I'm finding <laughs> that I found that out the past few years. Uh, and it, but um, so so you get to now to like 2018. I'm assuming you recorded it in 2017. Yeah, but no. Prob- yeah, yeah. Um, or maybe yeah. even earlier than that, actually, because okay, 
it took a while to do it because of our daughter had just been born right um in 2015 and now you've got a new kid that one of the songs is about on that as well correct well he he hasn't he was just born like four months ago gotcha so all everything on fusion machu picchu is around my is is very much centered around my daughter and that whole thing well yeah that's a good point i think he talked about it a little on stage that there's a lot um about this ep that indicates like home and family uh the fusion machu picchu you said is a plant outside your house yeah (laughs) i believe yeah That was the first, the uh, the first, because we bought this house that was nobody was buying it at the time, and it was yeah. very. Uh, it had been left kind of a bit uh, unattended, right? And like people were using it. It was it's two lots, and people were using it as a way to get from like one part of the neighborhood to the next, and oh, yeah, it was just yeah. it was like very sort of. Uh, well, it just needed a lot of TLC. Yeah. So the fir- the first plant when it was time to landscape it because and at the time we didn't know anything. Now we know we've learned a lot, but at the time we knew nothing about plants and what to do. And we found this probably down at the Home Depot in our area. We found this um, fuchsia Machu Picchu, mm-hmm. and it was just I had never heard of that you know <laughs> variety of fuchsia yeah. before, and thought that's kind of sounds like something we should get. Yeah. And then, and then it was just, we planted it in like, not probably a very smart, just kind of right outside the back door. And, and I, and just, it became this thing. I just started singing to it as just completely as a joke. Right. Or, or not even as a joke, just something, some funny thing just for myself and for the plant. And then, um, (laughs) And then even even as it kept going on and I kept cruising around like in my car singing Fuchsia Machu Picchu, yeah. um, it wasn't until we went to Nashville to uh, produce our friend Carly Ritter's record mm-hmm. um, that, oh, and the fact that this Imbira had become electrified, which... Yeah. I, I for, definitely want to get to that. <laughs> yeah. So I had this thing was, and I had a little guitar amp. And in the new, the new, my new surroundings in this new house in a new town, I just started singing it. And I said, Oh, I can, I'll just, I'll do this. Yeah. And there's no reason why I shouldn't just do this. Yeah. (laughs) So that, it it, It was a bunch of things that kind of brought me to that point. And just sort of came together from there. The, um, yeah. So with regards to the Imbira, um, you know, there's a, uh, uh, sort of a nature to your music, I think. And I think it shows up on love on a real train and obviously all the work you've done with your dad, um, that, uh, is very much, uh, folk. Some people like to call it like weird folk, weird Americana. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what, sure. I, I don't know what it is, but it taps at something. And it was, I guess what was surprising because like I knew love on a real train and I think both of them have, but that 
it was so tapped into the work that you've been doing that weird fabric across, you know, like Rise albums in the 2000s that creates this weird space and that you were so tapped into that, but it was completely your own space. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And and it speaks to though, also a lot of what I think has been going on the past few years. You take people like tune yards, uh, you take people who are experimenting with these different instruments that, but they're really just making folk music. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think because when I, my the, the music I listened to probably when I was really young was the most uh, formative. Is formative a word? Yeah, sure. Formative. It is now. Um, <laughs> like it was the most, it was what I took uh, the most from. Like, and yeah. then there was a point where I feel like music stopped. Oh, informative. I don't know. Anyways, it was, it stopped. Yeah. There was, you know, like the, I remember my dad gave me, you know, the band and, right. and James Brown and like the meters. Right. And there was like this combination of stuff that I grew up listening to. And it's just all those records just probably never left the forefront of my mind. Like no matter no. how many decades no. go by and, you know, however old I, I am now and what's going on in the world now, which I have such a, I, I have, when I, when sometimes I listen to the radio, I am mm. like, what is going on? Like it's <laughs> blows my mind what's happening. I'm like, you well, are I, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, God, I mean, what there, the world has, is so crazy. And I don't know where something like what I do again, it's like you said, you just make it. Yeah. And you have no idea like if anybody will hear it and it might not matter. They'll be like, Oh, he didn't used to make records. He he didn't write and now he's writing. He he plays drums. Like who cares? Like right. it's like right. none of it means anything. Um I, but I, I, I think I think and uh, I had this discussion with uh Phil Cook. I don't know if you know him. Um Oh but, yeah. Uh, Why do I know that it, name? Uh he is uh he's doing his own thing now, but he played in Megaphone, um and he's produced a few Blind Boys of Alabama albums. Oh, uh, might be getting ready to do another one, but, um, great, great dude, uh, down in Durham. And, um, he was up here and we were talking about, uh, just that, the importance of, of getting that out there. Like, you know, like we said, you know, it doesn't, you don't know what it'll do, but like, what choice do you have to do it with, with this album? And because look, ambient music, which is, this is somewhat ambient, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, that is often for some people for like, a, say, a general pop audience might be a hard sell. But totally. I think but I think when you look at what the purpose of music is for, which is um, part escape, part like to uh, increase our like intellect and, and, and a whole lot to connect us with the rest of the world. You can have stuff like this because this is an EP that you put it on and spend time with it and it, it kind of can work its way into, I guess your, your daily fabric as a very good thing. And you can keep adding them, not just you, but other bands together. And that might be the point. Like, yeah. I think, you know, definitely maybe the point of why we do this. And I, and I, and I wonder sometimes if, 
before when we had this big label system, uh, we didn't do that because right. because hey, it just didn't make money. So why would right. why would you do something that didn't make money? And the answer is because there's more out there. Yeah, that's I mean, true. I I think I mean I I hear a song like because of the moonlight and that there's is it, it it just paints a perfect scene and I, and it's oh. it's only a five minute song and i want to sit there in that for like five <laughs> hours because the I love when, yeah, I love that one too. It's it always makes me happy when somebody else brings that song up. Yeah, it's 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 it, it's just such a a universal. We all have that experience. You're talking about your own experience, but it just it conveys out to everybody, and and all of a sudden, like you're connected to this bigger thing. Totally. Um, that is like again. I think that is that is the point. Um, yeah. Exactly. You've also been uh, so. Let's get to the Umbira though. How did how, given that you you're doing all this stuff that a lot of folk artists are doing and experimenting with uh, high technology in some cases, um, how do you get this thing electrified and then look at what's around you and be like, I'm just going to make all my sounds like this? <laughs> well, he the the man who makes who makes these. His name is Bill Wesley, and he mm-hmm. he. I've, I've used the acoustic one, a really early model. Uh, I've been playing it for over 20 years in film scores and, um, on people's records and, and, uh, he recently electro has started making these solid body. Yeah. Beautiful stereo. The, however it's being the pickup, like whatever the mic, the mic situation that he has going on it is so pure and it's just this perfect sound. So yeah. When I got a hold of that, that's what it completely changed my life because it is per- it's percussive but it's also um you know there's this tonal aspect to it and I I can play a little bit of piano but these songs are they're not chromatic minded right. piano songs. Um, and that's just not where I come from. And I obviously don't play any guitar. So right, right. being able to play this lot, like electrified enabled sort of just opened this door that I didn't never thought was even there. And it just started. I, Cause I also love on a real train. So many people involved I wanted to do something where if somebody said, Hey, can you just come and do this? Mm-hmm. Just you like on a deck outside, I could do it. I I'd right, prefer to right. not do it like that, but I could. And before I could never do that. Right. So, so that's is, sort of, is that, is that something, is that something that's you think has come with age and just performing for so long where you're like, you, you wanted to strip it back and get sort of an all purpose thing or. Is it just because you stumbled on this? Um, I think, I think I, for so long, have relied on so many people. Mm-hmm. No matter what I was doing, whether it was my own stuff or other bands I've been or been in or other 
projects that I've worked on, it was always so much, so many people involved. And therefore it's really, it's either you have to worry about people's schedules or it's expensive or there's just always something working against you. The more people you have, unless you yeah. have, unless you're, you know, you can do anything you want and right, none of right. that's a problem. Yeah. And then, yeah, then it's like, bring it on. But yeah, bring, bring me it, the 40 piece orchestra. Yeah, let's, of course. <laughs> yeah. But if, if I want to think, Oh, also music's just so expensive. I mean, we, yeah. you, you pay f- it, I mean, my wife and I toured her record in Europe as a two-piece, and it was like staggering what that cost. Oh, yeah. Um, So it's like, well, okay, then how can I do this and not – just not go in with this, you know, expectations and be able to just do it myself and sing – you know, my friend opened a pottery studio in Ojai mm-hmm. and asked me to go play. And so I went and played like on a little outdoor area and it was totally cool. I could never have done that before because yeah. I'm like, well, what's your PA? And uh, yeah. I need to know all these specs of what we're working with. Like none of that matters. Yeah. You just sit on a cajon and like yeah. pedals and then you're good to go. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, it's wild because, you know, a lot of thing about music too. Like I, I play guitar and I, well, I play more than guitar, but I do a lot of other things. But uh, one thing I've realized with, with age is that a lot of it is about a weird math that you certainly can. There, there are master like music theorists that can plot all this out, but then there's also some stuff that just works. Mm-hmm. And when it works, it like it just feels good because you know you did some weird complex math that you have right. no idea what the, even the equation was, but you're just like, right. yep, that all that all worked together. If you can get something like what you're doing, um, you know, because uh, your like your loops aren't evident for one thing, right? You hear once when you start, obviously, because you have to set them up. But once you get going, it all of a sudden is just this like rich tapestry. And it could just be a bunch of people playing, but it's not because of this weird math that you did yeah. in your head or your soul or wherever it came from. It just, it happened. Yeah. And that's the other thing is finding the right people to play along with this record is mm-hmm. a real touchy thing because guitar is so rooted. It's just such a sound that we all know. And yeah, i and it's obviously it, it all depends on the hands that the guitar is in, but no matter what it is, it's still a guitar. And mm-hmm. so that was just not, it was like rooting it in, in something that I was too, had too many connotations with. Sure. sure. And so I kept on being like, well, that's not quite it. And then it was just, well, maybe just a bass player. Yeah. And that was cool. But then, when I found when I met this saxophonist Sam Gendel, who yeah. played with me in, in at the Birchmere, he blew my mind because he, well, I'd never heard anything like what he does, and mm-hmm. he, without a bass player and just him and I, him and me, just him and me, <laughs> I was I always mess that up. Um, he, there's he changes like the the tonal sometimes he's moved a whole, like the mode has changed, 
but right. it doesn't mess with the song. It just, he's like right. travels. He just, it starts going other places and there's and, nothing and, rooting it. And he's doing something very similar. Like it, 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 the way I interpreted it after seeing him play was that the saxophone is what he's, that's what he's like comfortable, competent on and stuff. But what is coming out of that is generally not a saxophone. Totally. It, totally. it is just, it's just at that point, it just becomes a, a piece of metal that can, affect some sort of weird vibration and then how that vibration comes out is totally up to like what's inside him. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah. you know, which is kind of wild. Um, I think it's funny on that point. So, you know, an Embira is an idiophone, which just means it like all vibrates at once. And that is ultimately what a lot of your music to me, it feels like it does. And and that's, again, that's why I said I could put this on and leave it on for like five hours. I can just, because it's just this. Oh, that's awesome. It, it's ju- yeah, it's it's like ju- it's just this very um it it removes if you if you've listened to it or listeners have listened to it, it can remove you from a place and uh I don't I don't want to say like meditation, but uh it just like it, it can reset your brain waves, man. <laughs> oh, that is so great to hear. Yeah, I mean it's 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 wild how it does that and it starts, you know, it's it's almost like a a cone or a mantra starting with, you know, the first track and ending on country blues, it just goes all the way through and you, you finish and you're like, I, every time I've listened to it, I feel refreshed. I feel like, Oh Oh, man, this is, this is is great. And, um, you know, what is it? Maybe 25, 30 minutes total. (laughs) Yeah. It is pretty short. (laughs) Right. Right. And, but you know, you feel like you spent a few like years or something in there and it's like, okay, okay, let's just go on and do something else. Um, that's so cool. Yeah, it's uh, like anytime I see somebody doing something like that, I think a lot of people are like that now. Like when they see somebody doing something like what you're doing, their ears perk up and be like, "Oh wait, this is different." But this is this is the hit I want. This is this is just what I want out of this. Um, to to shift gears a little bit though, like uh, how'd you hook up with Sam Outlaw? Um, he was well. Carly, my our my friend Carly yeah. Ritter, she, my wife and I, um, uh, produced her first record, and then uh, went out on the road opening for Matt Costa, and mm-hmm. so Juliet Juliet Commager, uh, who's my wife, she was playing keys and I was playing drums for Carly, and Sam was first of. Three. So Sam, then Carly, then then Matt, and um, <clears throat> and then we just sort of became we became friends, and then yeah. uh, and then a, a while later, I was playing with him, and I was just I was like, man, these songs are they. I, I was just it was just so fun to play, and it was just like this very catchy kind of 70s country yeah, thing yeah yeah and um, 70s la country it's it's yeah it's, exactly it, it's very specific and i mean i know like you've you've been out on the west coast your whole life right uh yes yeah so like that that makes sense but it's still it's uh a lot of people try but people do yeah <laughs> and, uh, uh, and it was wild to hear like because i i heard angelino and i was like whoa that's that's fucking great and then I started looking at the credits. I'm like, "What the fuck? What are these people? What? 
how <laughs> how did he get with them and what the hell's going on and um yeah and it was it was just a wild thing and then all of a sudden it all made sense is like oh he's working with people who know their shit that's that's all there is to it yeah um, and he yeah that was just a great it was a they were yeah it's very 70s yeah just like you said the la like warner brothers mm-hmm. country records of like that era you and know you could fe- see it it yeah. feels right too like as a producer how responsible were you for like crafting a, that feel or really a feel because you produced a few records right yeah and they're all it's all of such a different process um that one was he you know he was sam was gonna be recording and i was gonna play drums on the record and he had some different things going on and it, it's none of them sounded to me like what it should be and i just kept thinking man these songs should have like a really good it should just be as good as possible yeah and and so i played him for my dad and i knew i just had a feeling he would like it and it would be a it would just be i don't know like this this like sam was just like pop enough and then but then rise thing is is not as poppy i don't know like i thought maybe it would be this little middle ground that everybody would like being a part of yeah um and so the sam is definitely i think just from a songwriting standpoint even cut from the tradition of your dad um you know he just the 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 way he tells a story yeah and then there's the sonic then there's the sonic stuff though and that and that ultimately to me is what's more interesting is what you and Rai like put down on that to again achieve a certain vibration well I mean with that one it was just everybody involved was really good um, and it, it was pretty it didn't feel like there was a lot of uh, there wasn't a lot of scheming or 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 it wasn't like here's the concept we're going to only use right. like these mics and <laughs> you know it was very there it was it was like make sure the right people are in the room and and yeah um the, it wasn't the, it wasn't precious no it just was yeah it was just very right and we always do everything with martin pradler who's the engineer and mixer he did sam's record fuchsia machu picchu uh, my dad's new record. He's he's. I feel like as long as he's in the room, yeah. then we're smooth sailing. Yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah, and actually speaking of the prodigal son, uh, both of you like uh, cru- for the, I think the slang term is crushed it on that. Um, oh, thank you. That is uh, without fail one of my favorite albums of this year. It, it is. Oh, um, great. There's a sound that you brought to the percussion that um it when it needs to it dips back into like the stuff that you guys are referencing like gospel and old blues and stuff mm-hmm. but but it also sounds you know it it brings in a lot of the fusion machu picchu stuff and sounds very much like just now and, well yeah and that wasn't you know again and that was not a situation where we said it should be let's have it be this way, but also a little bit of right. this. It's just, again, it's something that just happened without any, 
I, you know, I didn't even know what, cause a lot of the times my dad would walk into the studio where I was working on my, I had my Imbiras and my little loops going and he would just kind of sit quietly in the corner singing something to himself. And then he would say, can I, can I have that one? And then, <laughs> and then that would turn into one of the ones that was, you know, like Harbor of Love, which was yeah. this, yeah. That, I mean, that's all like, that's all the Embira stuff, but just kind of gone into this, you know, gospel realm. Yeah. And I, and I feel like, you know, there's like you describing how that is you guys like working relationship. Look, there's always going to be um, a potential like tension between like, Hey, I'm working with my dad and this, you know, and it seems like you guys have this very organic relationship. I know he's played on some shows with you doing the Fusion Month of Peaches stuff. I think he's played on shows of your wife's stuff as well, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's not, again, um, it's not precious. It's, it just totally. seems to be what you guys do. Yeah, there's, there's never been any... Um, I don't know. I've never... I think there's a lot of people who might go through stuff about their parents and the need to set themselves apart or, or do something really radically different. Right. And, and maybe a lot of times there's good reason that they had to go through that and came out the other side for the better. But in, in my situation, maybe because I was, was a, a could accompany him rather than, I mean, if I, if I was said, I need to become a guitar player, right. Right. That would probably be a whole other ball game because that would be just so, so sad. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, have you heard <laughs> yeah. like Ry Cooter's not so good guitar player son? What, what Keem's making an industrial <laughs> album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, yeah. That type of thing I think would be, would be horrible. Uh, I mean, not from a practical stance of like you're both playing music, but as far as, you know, the music industry, the public perceives stuff, they create sort of bullshit narrative sometimes. And yeah, I mean, they probably do it anyways, no matter what I, I do. Yeah. Like I, I, I came into this actually, I was like, I cannot mention his dad, but then I was like, I can't talk to you about your music without mentioning him because yeah, it, it is so organic and it is, um, it's like, it's, it's nice to see. That, how you yeah. guys interact it's it's totally enjoyable and like there's um there's no reason to not it it doesn't worry me if yeah if yeah. if it comes up <laughs> yeah well i mean you you are just regardless of what anybody thinks you know and fusion machu picchu definitely proves this like you are your own thing yeah you, ha you have your own voice you're you're what you're saying i think is important what you're saying affects the world um and uh that's great <laughs> Dang. well thank you it's yeah. amazing um well uh have fun on the tour hopefully we will run into each other at some point and uh we can talk more thanks kevin right, thank man. you so much
Big thanks to Akeem uh, for taking the time to sit down and chat. That was uh, that dude. We've been trying to do this for a long time. I think since June was when they were there. But um, you know, the best things uh, often take uh, the longest time. And and when stuff is supposed to work out, I think it does. And this did. Uh, it was it was fantastic to talk to him. I can't wait to uh, check in with him. You know, a little further on down the road and see what he's up to. It is um, is a remarkable musician. And his work is fantastic. You should check it out. Fusa Machu Picchu right now is only available in digital format. You can go to his Bandcamp page. There's a link in the show notes. Um, or like Amazon, iTunes, wherever. It's on Apple Music. It's on Spotify. It's all that. But uh, this two things make me super excited is that, uh, yeah, we talked a little after that, after that cut out. And uh, he is putting this out on vinyl. And uh, I am so happy. This... It sounds so good, but but being able to sort of have that that vibration sort of move over you, man, is going to be uh, stellar. So look for that. Uh, I think sooner rather than later it's going to be coming. He said it's going to be available on the site. And he's going in the studio with Sam, um, the guy he worked with, the saxophone player. Um, and he, he, you know, he, he basically said that uh, they realize that what they're doing is 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 rad. Is is rad as fuck. <laughs> I think is the correct term, and and that so Strike White Iron is hot. So they're gonna. I think they got a little break in tour because uh, he's out there touring with his father uh, for the Prodigal Son, and and then uh, they're gonna go in and record it. So I, I mean, dude, I cannot wait to see uh, what he does going forward. So and once again, thank you, Joaquin, for taking the time. Uh, that is it. We are out of here. This is our episode for this week. Uh, coming up next week. We are going to fulfill a dream of mine. I, uh, when you hear somebody say the name U2, uh, people cringe. People think, oh my god, is that the thing that got on the phone? Um, you know, sort of like, Geez. but, um, but, uh, the, the reality is, is that if you're, if you're my age, you know, middle age, well, I don't know what middle age is, but, uh, if, if you're in your 40s, let's put it that way. Uh, you grew up with the music of U2, specifically Joshua Tree. Octoon Baby was a big thing, but uh, my favorite album, one of my favorite albums of all time, is a little project they did called Zuropa. And it is, uh, look it up if you don't know what it is. Uh, go digest that. Like, dig into it. We had uh, myself, Eduardo, and uh, Drew down here to talk about that. And, um, and it, was, uh, it was great. I've had, I've had a long time to think about this important album. And uh, and it, it's so uh, it, it was so prescient in what it was talking about and predicting the future that we exist in now, which is not something you would think when you think about. Uh, hey, can you two make uh, art that is actually sort of relevant to our society and not just big bombast? Yes, yes, they can, and they did, and it's called Zuropa. Uh, so uh, yeah, check that out. Maybe I'll put that link in the show notes too. But it's on it's on it's everywhere, dude. It just got re-released on vinyl, too. That's actually sort of why we're talking about it. Uh, so we're going to be doing that. And then a, a chat with my good friend, PJ Sykes. He just wrapped up, uh, entered hiatus himself uh, for his band, Hoax Hunters, but is is still hard at work in his label, Cherub. And uh, and so we're going to talk to him about all that. It was a great conversation we had uh, just this week. Um, so looking forward to that. And then in a few weeks, I think we're going to be uh, talking to... a local band here, uh, Luna Honey. Um, I'll tell you more about them later, but uh, get out there and check them out. They just played a show. I said to miss it. Um, so that is it. We are out of here. I am um, I'm going to see Fish. I don't know if I mentioned that. 
I don't know why we're going to see fish, but uh, we talked about it. You'll hear that soon, or maybe just a bonus episode later this week. And um, it's been a long time since I've seen fish, so I guess it's time to check in and uh, and see what all the uh, hippies are doing. So myself, Eduardo, and uh, Andre are uh, getting a van, going to see fish, and uh, we'll see if we survive. This podcast might get a hell of a lot headier after this week. It remains to be seen. Anyways, we're out of here. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Talk to you soon. Kenobi! <laughs> 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 <laughs>